All right, and it's Maria Daniels here at Successfully Chaotic, and we're actually in the middle of a rebrand. So this is our old branding. So if you're kind of seeing some different, um, I guess, branding images on our social media right now, just stay tuned. We have some new branding coming up very, very soon to launch out, actually as soon as next week. So um, just a quick welcome for our guest today, Seth Green. Super excited to have him on today and hear about all the amazing things that he's involved in. So Seth, I'm gonna let you dive in and explain a little bit to our viewers and our listeners who you are and what you do. Okay, so how long an answer do you want? <laughs> uh, you know what? This is this is your show at this point. The guest, the guest is where it's at. So we're all here to hear about you. People hear me talk enough as it is. <laughs> all right, so I'll try and do a short, relatively short version. I went to college for musical theater because I wanted to be a Broadway star when I was 18. By the time I graduated, my father had driven me so nuts about the high cost of tuition uh, that I no longer wanted to go starve in New York. Instead, I became a college financial aid planner helping other families substantially reduce the amount of cost they actually had to pay for college. I went to work for a Fortune 500 company, was told to make 300 cold calls a day, interrupting strangers, asking for money. That was not very pleasant. I had the good fortune to find and beg my wife for a month to let me borrow more than our mortgage to go hire legendary marketing guru, Dan Kennedy. He taught me direct response marketing. I went from the 6,700th ranked financial advisor to the top 30 nationwide in two short years. That got me written about in a whole bunch of trade journals and books for the financial services industry. My phone started ringing before the internet was invented. Well, before the internet was mainstream <laughs> um, with financial advisors who wanted to do what I did. So Dan told me to start a marketing company and help them. I started marketdominationllc.com 14 years ago and it's been an amazing journey ever since. And we've since branched out to dozens and dozens of different industries because the principles of direct response marketing that we execute work no matter what business you're in. Okay, so when you're talking about market domination, so you're, you're saying marketing, do you do more digital marketing for the listeners? I know I've looked a little bit into what you do, but just for the listeners out there, they're like, okay, like marketing's everything. Can you kind of give a glimpse into specifically, you know, what you specialize in? Sure, so we do digital, we do direct mail, and we do podcasting and publishing. We are not a traditional ad agency. We don't do brand building. We don't worry about getting your name out there or your logo recognized by focus groups. We don't do TV or radio or print. We are solely focused on trackable metrics where we can see, okay, you invested $1,000 in this marketing campaign. It brought you back 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. You love us. Or you spent $10,000 and you got eight back and we got to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're focused more on the conversion rates at that yes. point. So, you know, a, a lot of people who listen to this show um, are business owners. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about business and it's kind of changed a little bit. We do talk about relationships. We talk about parenting some, but it seems like the people that keep coming back and listening, because we look at our own metrics, is the business owners. So we do get a lot of business owners that, are, that listen and watch this show. With that said, you know, when you're speaking conversions, when you're speaking digital marketing, 
what what do you recommend people start with? So if I'm the business owner that I have no idea where to start, right? I mean, it can be so confusing, even as a marketing professional, to understand the world of marketing because it is so vast and it's ever changing. And you mentioned that you were in the world of financials. So you'll, you, you'll probably like this analogy that I use that I always say that the market works a lot like the stock market. It works like so, you know, a marketing professional actually looks at things you know, the same way that a financial advisor will look at the stock market, you know, and it's ever changing. So with that being said, what do you recommend the business owner who has no idea what to do and they could do all the things, you know, and think they should do all the things, where should they start out? Where should they put their focus? So that's a great question. I'm going to make it a whole lot easier and a lot less overwhelming then you don't have to go all in on Clubhouse or TikTok or whatever the latest social media craze is. I We start every client determining who their ideal client is. Who's your ideal client, customer, patient, or prospect? Because that should inform where you do your marketing, right? If I'm Absolutely. going after 80-year-old arthritic widows, TikTok is not where I'm going to spend my money. However, direct mail might be. Print advertising and arthritis today might be. So I think rather than get seduced by the, all the shiny objects that are always coming out, we should instead be focusing on what is the best, most productive, most converting form of media that our ideal client or prospect is actually consuming on a regular basis. Get really good at making one offer to that one target market with one form of media and not deviate until we've mined all the possible gold we can get out of that form of media. Don't split your attention until you've mastered at least the first one. Absolutely. And you're my new best friend. I think that <laughs> I think that is such good advice. And, you know, your ideal client, your ideal customer, that is always something that surprisingly so many people struggle with. Just so many people struggle with. And I've even asked that question, well, I mean, who are you trying to reach? And then they, you know, 30 people that they're trying to reach. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie early on. I made that same mistake because when you start a business, it's like, you just need the money, right? You just need the dollars. You don't care who's giving it to you at the point. You just have bills to pay. However, you know, if you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one. So I really think that is very, very good advice, especially since like you mentioned, there are things coming out. I feel like every second that everybody's jumping to, Oh, we have to hurry and do this. And Oh, we have to hurry and do that. And it can be overwhelming to kind of get lost in that clutter. But, you know, it's, it's funny that a lot of marketing professionals, if you look at, you know, their own personal things, you know, they have places where they show up amazingly and they have places like they don't even exist, which has a lot of people going, well, you're not even on here. Why, why are you not on here? But the reason is, is you, you know, your people are in one specific place, that's where you need to be. And it doesn't matter what size of company. I don't know a company that has an endless amount of time or an endless amount of budget to do marketing. So every single company has to kind of make that decision with their time budget and their money budget on what they can effectively do. So, so when you're working with a client, I, obviously you kind of walked us through basically that you, you talk with them about ideal, like their own personal ideal client. And then you kind of fit them in that box where they're going to be able to connect with their people. I am a big fan of that word connection um, because I think personalized branding is so important with being able to really connect with your with your ideal client, with your audience. Do you find that a struggle when you're trying to kind of cram personalization of marketing into the digital world? Do you find it seamless? I think it works even better. I think that 
people are starved for connection. They don't want to do business with a company. They want to do business with a person. Even if they don't actually meet the person in person, they want to know who the face is behind the brand, how they get started, what do they stand for, what do they stand against? And I think the better job we as marketers do or as business owners do communicating that, the better it will work. Absolutely. Again, I love, I love that answer. And, you know, if somebody's just starting out right now, then maybe that let's assume that they know their ideal customer right now. And they're like, okay, well, you know, they're over here on TikTok, but they're also over here on Facebook. How do I divide my time equally? Do you have some type of a, you know, a checklist that you kind of can walk them through for them to determine where they should start their focus? Yes, it's going to depend back again to the original question of who's the target market because, and we might have to do some split testing to determine, hey, are our minimum viable ads on Facebook versus TikTok converting better? Okay, well then let's focus the majority of our marketing budget, let's say on Facebook and really do a deep dive on what does it cost us to acquire a customer and what's our ROI on that platform before we go all the other places our clients might be. That's perfect. I do want to kind of take it back to your own personal story because I'm a big lover of stories. You mentioned that, you know, you had to invest dollars, which you said was your mortgage mortgage payment. Mortgage the value of our house, yeah. our, our, our brand new house. Yes. Yeah. So th that is a huge commitment, not only on your part, but just on the part of well, your family unit. That's a huge commitment. And I use the term invest because I do strongly believe that we must invest in ourselves and our personal development that, you know, in turn goes into business development. Was that a hard decision though? Yes, it was. Um, it was very scary. It was an incredible risk. I believed that it would pay off. I prayed that it would pay off because that year my wife and I had gotten married bought our first house, had our first baby, and she had quit her job to be a stay-at-home mom. So I was a sole breadwinner while making cold calls for a living. So to go say, hey, I was nervous to buy our first house because I was worried where how I was gonna cover the mortgage, to then say, hey, not the monthly payment, that whole dollar amount of that entire price, you gotta go borrow all over again. I was very scared, but optimistic that if, you know, Dan, Kennedy had done this many, 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 many times. If I just did what he taught me, it would work, which turned out to be the case. And it was the best investment in money I've ever made. Absolutely. So for somebody out there that is thinking about making an investment like that, whether it be for personal development, whether it be to, you know, kind of increase the marketing in their business, like we were talking about earlier, you know, what are some things that you kind of worked through? You know, I'm assuming there was kind of these internal like pro con lists or however, you know, you do. I know I've had to do it numerous times in my life. And I think a lot of the things, whether you're talking about, you know, making, you know, a significant investment like that, to even something that may be only significant to you at that moment. I mean, I think the process is the same. What would you tell somebody that's kind of going through that right now? Kind of walk us through your thought process on your, on how you decided to just go ahead and go for it. So I hated cold calling. It was a terrible waste of time. Uh, this was before the do not call list. We had to make no auto dial. We had to manually dial every number. It was 20 plus years ago. Um, so I hated cold calling, even though it worked, it's horrible positioning. It's a lousy use of time. I knew there had to be a better way. This was before the internet was invented, before the internet was mainstream. So everything we did back then was direct mail and print. And I had to evaluate what are the odds. So one of my, there's a really good book by uh, World Series of Poker champion Annie Duke called Thinking in Bets. 
And so what I learned was, what are the odds that this will be successful? What are the odds that it's going to fail? What's the payoff if it's successful? What's the pay, what's the downside if you fail to kind of calculate, hey, I think the odds of this working are high. I think the payoff is astronomical. I think the odds of it's failing are low. And I think the I know how much I'll lose. If I'm willing to gamble 100,000 to make millions, to me, that's a good ROI. And I'll t- in that case, I will t- I took the risk. Absolutely. Of course, I say that now, having come out the positive <laughs> other side of it many, many years later, um, had you asked me right before then, I probably would not have been as confident. And I'm not telling anyone they need to go take the leap of faith or dive off the cliff. I can't speak to their individual situation because I don't know them until we talk personally. Absolutely. I mean, and I think timing is everything. I really, really do. I think you have to, it sounds like to me, of course, I didn't know you then, but it sounds like to me that you were at this pivotal moment where things weren't working for you as it was. It was, you you felt like you were on a major uphill battle and that it wasn't something that was like sustainable for you in your life. So at that point, I would feel that it would have made it a little bit easier decision to be able to, you know, kind of take that leap and take that bet. And I know for myself, I always genuinely say that I'm a hesitant jumper now because I've always been a jumper. I have this, you know what, let's try it. And I have not heard of that book that you mentioned, but I just Googled it. I'm going to check it out because it definitely sounds like something I would love to read. But, you know, I think that there is this, I I think there's a group of people who are too hesitant, like they they never try anything that's scary. And I think there are a group of people where I used to be in that which would just like dive off a cliff head first. And, you know, really in reality, there needs to be kind of a combination of both of those things. So I, I love that book. Um, I looked it up and it said that um, or the rest of the title was making smarter decisions when you don't have all the facts. And I think that is key because I don't know when you're going to have all the facts. First of all, <laughs> I think it's going to be, you know, what percentage of facts do you have at that moment? But in your situation, it sounds like that the, the potential gain was so great and it was not only going to be a financial incentive, but a, a, you know, an incentive that you could literally do something that you loved instead of something that you hated. And I've also worked in the cold calling world. It's been, yeah, it's been about 20 some years ago as well. That's terrible, terrible. So I do not blame you at all for wanting to get out of that. Um, And, and most of the time not effective either. I'll just kind of throw that out there too. But um, so Fast forward to your business now. Um, how many years do you feel that it took you to get from that giant decision of that financial investment in yourself to starting your business and then starting to gain some traction? Because I know a lot of people hear stories like this and they think it's just like, well, they took this class and then they woke up the next day and it was just like, you know, rainbows and butterflies that, you know, they just think it's just like an overnight thing because you know, they're, they're, they're missing that, in that middle ground. Was it, was there times during that path and that journey that you question your decision? Like, Oh my God, did I make the right decision? Uh, Completely. It took two years. And the first marketing campaign I created after, during that process completely failed. And I had to, Dan said, I could tell you why it failed, but I'd rather you learn and said, physically call every single person who didn't respond until you talk to 10 or 20 of them and ask them, you know, these questions about why they didn't respond to what you sent. And 
I discovered the answer. They all didn't respond for the same reason. I changed it. And then the next one was successful, but it took two years to kind of get to the point where it was working so well. I didn't have to cold call anymore. Um, I was paying back the loan and I was on an upward trajectory. And, and I think that's pretty common. I, you know, I, I've seen and I've experienced it, but I've also seen that two to three year mark. It's like something clicks. You know, It's I think you've failed forward enough times at that point. You've you've had time to figure out the things that aren't working and you've been able to tweak them along the way. And I think that's key to understanding because, you know, there was times early on in my own business life that I question, am I, am I, am I doing the right thing? Should I even be doing this? Because, you know, I wasn't seeing what I thought everyone else was experiencing was this, you know, I do this and then, you know, this works immediately. I thought that's what was happening. And that was one of the reasons for even starting the show was that, you know, I love success stories. Success is amazing, but it's taking going through those chaotic times that gets you to that point of success. It's an earned process. I think we learn more from other people's struggles, challenges, and failures than we do from the success story. Absolutely. Now we do have a comment. Stacy Price said it takes years to become an overnight success. And she said it's an awesome discussion. Thanks, Stacy. Appreciate it. And you know, I think it's I think it's true that the when we hear overnight success, that is like not overnight. And I don't know, even on the ones that are, that are like dubbed overnight successes, there's so much when you start really digging in their history and their story, there is so much there that it is definitely not an overnight thing. And, you know, failures are part of the business journey. And I love hearing those type of stories because I think that encourages those business owners out there right now that maybe are in those, those, those years that, you do, you are questioning, you know, and I always, we always um, hear that people kind of equate business ownership to like, you know, that's your baby. That's my baby. And I think that is a good analogy because you said you have um, a child, you know, you, you know, there's the newborn phase where you're just like every two hours having to feed it and deal with it. And then you go to the toddler phase where they're in everything. And, you know, then we are into the, you know, the, the middle phase where it's not that bad, but then boom, teenage years hit. And I think, you know, the journey of business ownership is much the same where it is very much a journey and there's ups and downs throughout. And, you know, just when you think you kind of got it down pat, there's some type of pivot in the economy last year, COVID, or there is, you know, some type of growth needed. And, you know, growth is one of those times that I think a lot of business owners struggle where they're wearing too many hats. They need to hire, but the income's quite not there to be able to hire. And then they end up back in this like, oh, what should I do? So has that been something that you have experienced? Have you hit the point um, in your growth during your business that there's been other times that you've had to make these huge decisions that maybe you could share with us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the, I would say first five years, first 10 years were a roller coaster. Um, ups and downs. Thankfully, we've learned some painful lessons along the way and have a smoother journey now, but every level brings new challenges. I think one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was I believed what anyone told me. So if someone said they were interested, if someone said they wanted to work with us, I, I believed it. And the biggest mistake in that department I ever made was our third daughter, our third child, sorry, our third child, our youngest daughter was about one. And we were looking for a new house because we had outgrown our starter house. And at that time, we were in talks with the large, one of the largest regional personal injury law firms to do their marketing. And they, it was a nine month sales cycle. 
And they said, yes, get us a contract. We're good. It was a six figure, multiple six figure contract with seven figure performance incentives, including we, our lease was up. They were building a new building. We were going to move into their building and have free rent and utilities. So it was life changing. And I believed when he said, we're good, get me a contract, I'll get you a check. And my wife was shopping for a house in that price range because oh, yeah. I thought the check was coming and the check did not come. And emails, text messages, phone calls, no check, no check, no check. And my wife's like, I want to place, they're bidding wars for these houses. I want to place an offer. I want to buy something. And I kept telling her, eh, maybe not, maybe not that one, Ma making up excuses so that she wouldn't put an offer in because I was waiting for the money. And then finally on day 30, I camped out in the, in, in the lobby of that firm. And I said, I don't have an appointment, but I'm not leaving till I get an answer. And secretary was all mad at me. I was like, I brought a book. I got nothing. I'm just going to sit here for eight hours. Yeah. And five minutes later, she comes back out with, he changed his mind. Sorry. And that started, I thought that was one of the worst days of my life. Cause I had to go home and say, honey, you can't buy those houses. You have to shop in our normal price range. Here's why it changed and why it changed back. I'm so sorry. It turned out to be one of the years later to be one of the best days because that would have been a large percent, a very large percentage of our revenue in one basket. Had yep. he ever changed his mind after we were there, not only would we be out a ton of money, we would have no space to be in and we wouldn't have taken on other deals. We wouldn't have marketed as aggressively because we would have been spending so much time serving that firm. So it was a very painful lesson to not mentally spend the money or physically spend the money until it yeah. physically shows up in your bank account. Um, that wasn't the only time I had to learn that lesson. Thankful it was the most expensive one. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people probably have been there. They're going to, the dollar amounts may change, but a lot of people have been there. I know I have been through similar, you know, circumstances of where you have these couple of large contracts that for whatever reason you end up having to end. And then that's a depressing moment. That's a depressing yeah, my, my wife has learned to deal. Like I try yeah. not to tell her as much. I try not to tell, get all, get her all excited. I don't want her to have to go on the roller coaster with me as much yeah. anymore. I try not to subject her to what she calls my hopium. She's yeah, like, you're addicted hopium. to the hopium. <laughs> like, okay, I love I, that. I'm not going to get excited. I'm going to wait till the money actually shows up. I'm not going to tell her till the money actually gets in our bank account. Yeah. And I think that obviously that's the smart way to go. And if you're anything like me, you're really good at giving that advice to other you know, businesses because it's so much easier to look at somebody else's business and life and say, oh, you know, you don't want to kind of put the cart before the horse, as they say. You want to make sure and wait until, you know, cash is in hand. But however, when you add in that human, you know, emotion of our own business, our own life, it's so hard to separate that. And I think that is exactly why, you know, I think it's so important to have, you know, I, there should be an accountability team within your business. And I think that's why, because, you know, if you have these people within your business, they can be those people that are saying, ah, put on the brakes, you know, because we all have that tendency because we're all human. So I think that that is a great, it's a sorry, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's a terrible thing to go through. And I know the same thing for my own life, the horrible ups and downs that I've had to go through. When I say now that I'm actually thankful for it, some people look at me like I'm crazy, but I am. I'm thankful for it for much the same reason that you are, as it's taught me so much about life, about business, about boundaries. You know, so many, so many life lessons come from those things that at that moment we feel that we can't even make it to the next day because it's so hard to deal with. Yeah. I think there's no better lab for growing yourself as a person than trying to grow a business. 
Oh, absolutely. I think it's absolutely. the greatest personal development school you can go to. And I, I know um, it's kind of it's kind of again going back to the analogy of you know the kid growing up when you first start as a business and I'm not saying you you I'm saying you most business owners and definitely me um, I remember how cocky I was you know you because it's almost like going back to the 18 year you know I'm an adult you know I'm an adult I know all the things you know type of thing it was the same thing when I started my business I was so cocky about the fact that. I knew this, I knew how to do it. And I figured out really fast the multitude of things that I did not know. And I think that that is a smack in the face for a lot of business owners early on. And I also think that is why there's such a unfortunate large failure rate of new businesses as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is lack of resourcefulness. They don't realize what they're getting themselves into. I, I don't necessarily think it's a capital, it's a money issue, because if you can't make money without money, how are you going to make money with money? I think too many people focus on, I got to go raise investment capital and get people to oh, fund yeah. my idea. And I think, no, you just got to sell something and that'll fund your idea, if possible, depending on what you're trying to build. Absolutely. And I think with that being said, I think actually many times that I've seen when people take in these investment dollars, it gives them this false reality of, how well or not well their business is actually doing. So I am that person that's usually saying, I would not take investment dollars. I would not take investment dollars just for that reason. I've seen so many people, you know, taking these investments and then they're looking at that number in the bank account and they're thinking they're doing great when they didn't earn a penny of that, they're actually right. going in the hole. So. Absolutely. So as, as far as, you know, your business now, you know, you, we fast forward, I think you said 14 years, is that what you yeah. said? Okay, so 14 years, you've, you know, obviously been in, in business for a number of years and have gone through all the experiences. Do you, it, your business focuses on marketing. Do you have other businesses that you own or other projects? Because I feel like entrepreneurs, you know, when you have the entrepreneur mind, you're always seeing the potential in all the things. <laughs> yes. So I am a serial entrepreneur. Um, I own the marketing company, the podcasting and publishing company. I still own the college financial aid planning firm. And then we work a lot on performance. So I own pieces of either client businesses who gave us equity, or I own a percentage of their sales that we generate and we get paid that way based on success. So yes, I've got my fingers in probably too many pies. Oh yeah. I think that, I think that's common. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that would say, oh, you need to let some of them go. But, and I, and I do try to audit my own life. I don't know if you do this as well, but I try to audit, you know, the things that I'm doing and why I'm doing, if it's still a passion of mine or not, because if not, I am definitely that sort of little entrepreneur like you are. I was like, Ooh, let's do that. Let's try that. That sounds like a good time, you know, type of thing. But I've also learned hard lessons on that, getting into some industries that I get in there. I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> I it's very important to learn this. what to say no to. Absolutely. So I think, you know, so as far as like people reaching out to you, um, is a website the best place to go? I do have your website here. We're going to pop that into the show notes. And if you're watching this live or watching this on a replay, I will put it into the comments. But, you know, also for anybody that's going to be listening to this after the fact on um, all the podcast platforms that will be in the show notes, where are some other places that they can find you though? And so we've got a very special offer for your listeners. We okay. have a 37 page ebook that normally sells for $14 on Amazon about how to grow your own cult of 50 evangelists who will promote your business every week for a year. If your listeners go to growyourowncult.com, they can get it at 50% off. I guarantee you it will be the best $7 you ever spend on your marketing and your business. 
If they want to talk to us directly, marketdominationllc.com is our regular corporate site. They can fill out the form that's on the top of the first page, that's right on the first page, and they can schedule a time to talk to us. And we will, I guarantee you, we can solve any marketing challenge in 15 minutes or less. That's amazing. And I'm super interested in that. Grow your call. I love that. I love that. Grow your cult and, you know, get your, oh, see, Stacy's excited. <laughs> All right. Stacy's excited. She's ready to go with that. So I, I've enjoyed having you on. I love hearing these stories and I, I really love hearing people's journey because like I mentioned, it very much is a journey. And I thank you so much for being on here today, Seth. And it's it's been great. And I'll go check that out. Make sure you all go to www.growyourowncult.com to be able to get take advantage of that amazing offer. And again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.